Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Okay, here we go again. We're still deep into the the series on intuition, developing your intuition, using intuition. This is going to be another story of my using intuition or how intuition has influenced my life. And I learned at an earlier age that listening to stories, hearing stories of people utilizing and using intuitive guidance helped me develop a deeper relationship with this other aspect of our being. And it made it more real for me. In this particular story, uh, it took place when I was living in Saginaw, Michigan, up near the Saginaw Bay or the crook of the thumb of the Mitten State. Now, the timing of this is relevant. It happened, oh, let's see, probably the third week of January. And in Michigan, up at least in this part of Michigan where I was, the temperature was right around 17 degrees at this time. It was cold, the kind of cold of when you go out, the snow crunches underneath your feet and your breath kind of snaps and and the moisture in your nose just kind of freezes for a second as it's leaving your body. So I was actually in bed and it was 1230 at night and suddenly I was awake. And I knew I was awake. I was like up. I I don't. I can't even remember when I went to bed, but I can remember thinking that I'm not going to fall asleep very soon. So the next little thought that came in my head was to go for a drive. Now this wasn't unusual for me, being single at the time. I often took late night drives. I'd bundle up in the solitude of my car, grab a coffee, usually at the Seven Eleven grab a large coffee, and I would just listen. I would just be in silence and open for inspiration, open for ideas. I would think about the coaching business. I would think about different aspects of my life, sometimes small ideas, sometimes holy cow ideas. But I really enjoyed those moments of solitude. And so in this particular moment, I was getting the urging to take a drive. And Again, as I take these drives, I rely on my intuition. I never have a particular destination in mind. It is likened to a walkabout, an Australian Aboriginal walkabout, where you just go and see what you can see. So on this night, I bundled up and I made my way out to my car and I scraped the windshield, the frost, off the windshield. And I settled into the driver's seat and made my way to a 7-Eleven to get a big cup of coffee. So it was as I was getting my cup of coffee that I got the impulse to drive through Bay City, to take 25 out of Bay City and drive up along the coast of Lake Huron. I thought that would be a nice moonlit drive. So I make my way through Bay City and the entire town is asleep. By this time, it's after one o'clock and I drive out 25 toward the tip of the thumb. It was when I passed the road M83 that I got the impulse to turn around. Suddenly, the whole idea of driving to the tip of the thumb, driving along the coastline of Lake Huron, just wasn't appealing. It just seemed like a lot of effort. So I turned around and headed down M83 towards Frankenmuth. 
Now, Frankenmuth is a German theme town and a definite tourist destination. There's Bronner's, the largest uh, Christmas store in the world. I don't know, like 25,000 square feet. And two large restaurants, Zender's and uh, Bavarian Inn. And so as I'm driving into Frankenmuth, uh, the, the town is shut down. It's like 2 o'clock at this time, and every, it's like a ghost town. But I usually liked driving into town at this time of year because they would always have the international ice sculpture competition. And I would park my car and get out and look at the sculptures. But on this occasion, I just didn't want to do it. I just drove on past it. It just seemed like too cold to be out. It was like unappealing. And any other time, I would have just loved to get out and look at the different sculptures, but not tonight. And I continued on through town and drove past Bronner's Christmas store and right on south and exited the city limits. It was just south of the town that I noticed a Cadillac had been parked on the side of the road and the windows had been scraped just enough to where the driver could see out the front and the back and the sides, just enough to have some visibility. Sometimes when it's so cold, you don't want to scrape the entire windshield. You want to wait for the car to warm up and do the rest of the work. But it was just sitting there, and I just naturally assumed that it had been recently started but broke down shortly after leaving town. And since I didn't see anybody, I thought they probably just turned around and walked back to Frankenmuth because... It was a lot closer than anything else. Now, a little side note, this was uh, 2004, January 2004, and a lot of people, well, actually, most people did not have cell phones. More people did not have cell phones than had cell phones. The iPhone wouldn't come out for another six years yet. So this was basically the dawning of the cellular age, and frankly, service still wasn't all that good yet. Now, the rest of the story. So I... Drove on down and figured I'd just head down south to Birch Run Road, head west, and make my way back home. But part of my brain did continue to scan the side of the road for anyone that was walking. And it was after I turned onto Birch Run Road and was heading west that I saw a young man, uh, a young black man. I mean, it was so dark at this time, the only thing that I could see was his red jacket. So I slowed down. And it was a very light jacket. You know, I'm all warm and toasty in the car. I rolled down the window and I said, is that your car broke down just south of Frankenmuth? He goes, yes, I ran out of gas, but I'm walking down to the gas station. I said, I can give you a ride. He says, no, I'll walk. I said, be serious. It's 17 degrees out. You have a light jacket. You're going to freeze your buns off. Get in the car. It's warm in here. And still hanging on to a little trepidation. He finally relented and got in the car. I introduced myself, and he said his name was Antoine, and I asked, do you work somewhere in Frankenmuth? He said that he worked at Zender's restaurant and was a closer and just gotten off, and that he was hoping that he had enough gas in his car to get to the gas station because he had some tip money. He didn't actually get paid until tomorrow, and I asked, was it a good night for tips? And he said it was horrible. He said they, because of the cold, hardly anybody stopped at the restaurant tonight. And then there was a, a, a slight silence, and I, I said, let me turn up the heat for you so you can get warm. I said, dude, that's a pretty light jacket for January in Michigan. He said, it's all I have. So I gave Antoine a ride down to the truck center, which is at I-75 in Birch Run Road, and we went in and we asked for 
a gas can. They said they had a gas can, but you needed to put down a $10 deposit plus the gas. I said, okay, I'll, I'll cover that. And it wasn't more than just a, a, a gallon of gas. And so we filled it up and I drove Antoine back to his car and we put it in. And I said, I'll sit here and make sure that it starts and I'll follow you to the gas station. And I said, it's, it's getting to the point where I need to refuel. So I'll just refuel there with you. So after putting the fuel in his car and a little moaning and groaning as the engine kicked over, it was running and I followed him to the truck stop. As I drove behind him, I, I noticed, you know, I was looking at the car and noticed it was like a mid-90s, but at this point, probably about 10-year-old Cadillac. And I just have always liked Cadillacs. So this was a big V8 and uh, it was a nice ride. Even though it was older, it still looked pretty good. So we arrive at the truck stop and he pulls in one side of the island and I pull in on the other and I begin to fuel up and I'm going to fill my car up. And Antoine was not pumping gas for more than a couple minutes and he turned it off and started to seal up his car. I said, that's not very much fuel. He said, well, it's all I can afford right now, but it's enough to get me home. I said, how about to get to work tomorrow? He said, I'll, I'll figure it out. I shook my head and replied, nonsense. Fill it up. I'll pay for it. He said, no, sir, you don't have to do that. I said, I want to do that. I mean, really, it's peace of mind for me. I want to go back home and go to bed. And I want to know that you're making it home safe and sound. And you're going to make it to work tomorrow. I know that big V8 is not easy on gas. He said, no, it's not. I said, so turn on the pump again and start putting more gas in there. He says, are you sure? I said, yes, absolutely sure. And as he's filling up his tank, he just kind of looks up and shakes his head. He said, when I ran out of gas, I started praying that someone would come along, that God would send an angel or some kind of miracle. And so I feel quite fortunate that you stopped and picked me up. And you didn't even want to get in my car at first. He said, well, you kind of scared me. He said, well, I was a lone black man in the middle of white farm boy country. And, sir, you're bald. And I didn't know if you were a skinhead or a racist. I had my guard up. But it was after you said, come on, it's warm in here. Suddenly I got this very comfortable feeling like I could trust you. But part of me was saying that this is dangerous. It took me a moment to really trust it. I said, well, Antoine, let me tell you a story. Two hours ago, I was asleep in bed. I was asleep. And God, the divine angels, woke me up and said, go for a drive. I thought I was going somewhere else. But on my drive to somewhere else, I got instructions to turn around and head south towards Frankenmuth. He asked, what time did you get up? I said, about 12.30. He said, that's what time I got off work. And I knew my car was running on fumes, and I was praying to God, get me to the, get me to the gas station. Well, evidently, God knew you weren't going to make it, because he said, he sent me. Now, I didn't know that when I got up, but he knew I was fool enough to drive out in 17-degree weather just for the heck of it. And then I said, so, Antoine, this is proof that prayer works. He responded, man, I don't know what to say. There's no way I can ever repay you. I said, well, to be honest, you'll probably never see me again. So don't even think about repaying me. Just pay it forward. Just pay it forward to someone else. You may have the opportunity to assist, to help, to make a difference for somebody else. 
and he just looked at me, and he started kind of tearing up. His eyes just got a little glassy, and he started to reach out and shake my hand, and I pulled him in and gave him a hug, and he hugged me back and just said, thank you. And then we went our separate ways. Now, I tell this story to illustrate that, again, it's not, you know, sirens and bells going off. It's just little urges, little messages that you want to heed. And in episode two, I talked about the intuition on a basic level is just binary instructions. Turn left, turn right, go forward, go backward, stop, go towards, move away. And over the years, I've trained myself to listen to the whispers. And I'm a firm believer that if you can listen to your intuition when it's just a whisper and take action on it, your life unfolds like magic. But in the modern world, we've been trained to ignore our intuition, to ignore our inner signals. Because frankly, most of the time when you get the intuitive urge, it's not very logical. It's not very rational. You can't even explain why. And if there's one thing that's been beaten into people through the educational system and in growing up with parents and like, if you're going to do something, you better have a darn good reason to do it. No, no, not so much. If you feel it, honor it. And if you're not sure, go with it anyways as a test to see how it plays out. And if it is your intuition, I guarantee you will have synchronous events, signs along the way that you're actually on the right course of action. Especially if you ask for more signs. I have been in situations or decisions where the only thing I've had is an intuitive impulse. And all the signs, all the external signs were saying, don't do that. But it was just this inner knowing that it would be all right. An inner knowing that it was the most appropriate thing to do. So again, intuition is a skill that you develop in that listening. In listening to your intuition, it is a skill that you build through trial and error. Testing it in the laboratory of your life. So if you found value in this episode or have found value in the podcast in general, please leave a review, a favorable review, ideally, uh, letting other people know that there's something worthwhile here to listen to. That helps the podcast become more visible, more accessible to a greater range of people. And again, I'm not after huge numbers. I'm just after my people. I'm after the people that are interested in master their mind, program their subconscious mind, learn to manage their emotions, learn to tune in to inner signals, to live a life by your design of your own self-expression. I want your life to be the story of your self-expression. This is Daniel Dano V, your friend and kindred spirit, urging you to follow your bliss and live the epic life.